0: For Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have John Jeffries from Cypher Trace. John, it's really nice to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah, totally. Me too. So tell me a bit about yourself and about your company.
1: Sure. I've been in cybersecurity for over 20 years. So I've been a a CMO in the startup space out here in the Silicon Valley. I grew up in in Canada and came out to uh, the Silicon Valley at a young age and really started, started my career in cybersecurity. And at the time, 20 years ago, wasn't a super exciting place to be, and over the last 10 years, it's become a a, a very interesting and very fascinating space. And the company I work for, we're talking about lifelong relationships, and one of the things is I'm actually working with uh, my current CEO for the fifth time. So we've done five startups together. In some ways, in in the environment that I grew up, marketing was the supplier, and so in many ways, the CEO is my customer. So he's been my customer many different times, but our company is in a really interesting space, in, in my mind at least we do what's called blockchain analytics, which means that we look at cryptocurrencies and and different uh, activities on the blockchain. And we essentially create a directory, like a yellow pages of cryptocurrency businesses. And using the magic of blockchain, we're actually able to trace transactions forward and backward from their instance all the way forward into where they go. So this is we were originally funded by the Department of Homeland Security, which also is a, a lifelong customer, and they funded our previous company, Iron Key, as well. And nice. we were originally funded to track down drug dealers in terror and really trace the source of terrorist financing. And as the cryptocurrency became more mainstream, there was wider, more broad concerns around anti-money laundering. And the use of crypto for money laundering. So we introduced a, a series of products called KYT, Know Your Transaction, about three years ago, which was when I joined the company full time, as previously an advisor. And we uh, we launched. We received our Series A financing, or actually our, our our angel round, which is about the size of the old Series A in the old days. And we're off to the races. So we introduced our anti-money laundering products, and then we've since added some additional products for banks. So we have uh, bank intelligence products that allow them to identify Cryptocurrency on their payment rails, as well as um, we're helping with a, an initiative that's as part of the global anti-money laundering framework created by a group called the Financial Action Task Force, and they're essentially the UN of money laundering. So they're putting in a bunch of rules in place that are very similar to to the to the SWIFT banking requirements that you send different information before you send a m- certain amounts of money overseas, which kind of makes sense. So super exciting time, very high growth.
0: That's really cool. That's such an interesting space you guys are in. And Tell me a little bit about what the marketing aspect of this looks like. So obviously in this industry, and this really cool, what Um, does marketing look like?
1: (laughs) So marketing in my world, PR is huge. So public relations, different parts of the B2B space, it can be either sizzling hot or not so important. In our space, because we're dealing with the crimes of the moment, the recent ransomware attacks. We're involved in the investigations and things like that. So the press is very interested in things like that. So we have yeah. a very rapid response. A PR program, sometimes we'll have two news cycles in a single day. It's just, it's just that 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 fast. And at the same time, we're just emerging from the whole Corona crisis where we had to prove we could live with that oxygen for a certain period of time. And after holding our breath, we're really getting on the gas now. I have a much better competitor that I'm doing battle with. And so they own us to be smarter and more more agile, which in a classic David and Goliath sense that we're trying to, and it's a lot of traditional stuff. So I'm part of a, a network of B2B CMOs, and we're doing very traditional things from search engine marketing, Google AdWords, really focused on content-driven SEO to bring inbound into us. And then because our our content and and where we sit is relatively interesting, our my newsletters are particularly effective. So we have an exceptionally high open rate of approximately 30 to 33% on uh, two newsletters that I send weekly. And you know that really allows us to nurture people in a very high value way without pitching them saying, hey, would you like to buy my thing? Would you like to buy my thing? Are you interested now? Instead, what we try to do is we create a, a lot of value in the content we send and you know, people thank us. And we'll see a very senior banking official engage after being a newsletter reader for you know three, four, five, six months. And we're building long-term relationships through information.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So obviously, been a crazy past year and a half or so. The the next half of this year is you know somewhat unpredictable too. What are you guys like betting on for the future of this year? What's your plan to come out of this year strong and all that? Are there any areas of focus?
1: That's a great question. It's uncertain times. And I know all all sorts of people have different opinions about whether or not there's going to be additional waves. But as you alluded to, I'm actually placing bets, you know, betting on whether or not we'll be getting together for physical conferences and things like that and how far in the future. I'm being very selective in terms of physical events, tend to focus on smaller ones, focused on really tight communities of interest for me, but also going very hard focused on virtual events, targeting various different segments, and really trying to, once again, create as much value through these engagements as possible. And we're finding some of our our online events, even though I've heard rumors, webinar fatigue, we do our best to keep them relevant and interesting, and we have uh, excellent attendance.
0: Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So tell me about what building lifelong relationships looks like for you. So ways in which you do this, what your advice would be for others, the what, the how, the why, all that.
1: Sure. I think one of the things we try to do is to, to try to build value in in our touches. And mm. so when we communicate, we try to, at the root of it, we're trying to actually help grow the whole cryptocurrency economy. And so, you know, once the participants really understand our intent and they see our actions reflecting that, they, they, they realize that we're there to help. And we really are trying to build that econ- that crypto economy. And even though some folks would say that, you know, crypto doesn't want to be regulated, without the blessing of the government, the cryptocurrencies will not succeed. So we're really, we're trying to add as much value as we can through different mechanisms. I operate a, a, a pro bono service where I, we teach students how to solve these cases. So we teach them how to use our, our forensics tools and actually f- investigate cryptocurrency crimes and help solve them, which gives them a lifelong skill and also helps the victims of these crimes as well. And then obviously these students who are all typically students who are master students in something related to financial crime, they go in to places where they practice this art. So they become our lifelong customers through that as well. And also we operate a uh, nonprofit. So I'm chairman of what's called the Travel Rule Information Sharing Alliance. And once again, trying to help the community comply with some of these newer regulations. So uh, CypherTrace has funded some cryptocurrency or some cybersecurity infrastructure that allows people to create distributed trust and exchange information in a uh, confidential manner. Um, And we've also funded open source development. So we've created source code that people can go and use to actually help comply. And one of the things that I do is I also run a weekly... um, a weekly conference call or a Zoom call, if you will, for the working group. And we bring in interesting people and have this weekly call. It's been able to attract a lot of opinion leaders and, and influencers in the space. And it's really created quite a quite a strong community. So these people often are, are people that'll end up being participants in some way, or if not, so I promise you a couple of specific examples. Like I said, I came from the more from the cybersecurity space. And so one of my early adopters, three companies ago was a, a company called Harman Kardon. You you probably know their subsidiary that makes the speakers. So Maurice, their CISO, is now a very good friend of mine. And by the time he was an early adopter, we had met through a series of networking events. So I think networking is very important. And I think it's important to really understand your decision makers, understand what makes it what makes them tick and understand their pressure. Maurice, as you can imagine, as a CISO of a multi-billion dollar electronics company is under continuous attack. So when he was in that role, if he didn't return my call for a week, I never took it personally. He was like, he was on fire and that's just what happens in that role. So you you start to appreciate the world of your customer and that makes you, you know, a, a much better. So Maurice, we continue to be good friends. And as he transitioned into, a, you know, his new role, we spent a lot of hours talking about it and how, you know, and how given some of my skill sets, I could help him uh, succeed in his new role. So that's an example of, of a, a lifelong on. Uh, relationship with with somebody who is also a friend.
0: I love that. That's amazing. Such great stuff and examples. So what advice would you have for other marketing leaders and teams out there in terms of being successful, building these relationships, all that? How, how do they go about doing that? And what key takeaway advice would you have?
1: Sure. I think it, it's critically important to be authentic. I think earlier in one's career, if you, you think you need to look a certain way or speak a certain way to project where you want to be in your career. And I think it's much more powerful to be who you are and say, and speak from your true voice. And maybe not everyone's going to like that and maybe they won't, but those that do will like it much more. So I think it's important to be as be very authentic and also give back. Mm -hmm. Don't be a taker in a relationship with your customer make sure there's, there's a a solid give and take and that you're adding value along the way. From a personal perspective, I think it's, it's obviously important to continuously learn. I read voraciously. I read a lot online. I study, take courses, and also I'm super hands-on. So I, it's not always possible, but typically every function within my organization, I've done that job. And so I think it's much easier, even if I've only done it for a few weeks. When I spun up my my Google AdWords, I did you know six weeks of it myself, and I'm like, okay, this has got some legs to it, and then I hired in. But I think as you once you've managed something you're, or done something, you're much more capable of managing it and understanding where the levers are and what the leverage really is. And I think thing we're obviously in a very fast-moving pace space. I have to continuously try new things and be willing to you know cut losses as quickly as possible. I would say move fast, fail fast. And as I told you, we say in, in driving school, gas. Yes, you've got to go hard and go fast.
0: Love that advice. Hey, John, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining and sharing all your wisdom and insights here. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Brad. It was fun.
0: Yeah.